0: I'm your host, Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns, and you're listening to Radchild Podcast. Hey folks, Seth here. I just wanted to give a quick content warning that as we're talking about depression this week, um, the topics of suicide and self-harm also come up in this episode. I am not going to give the timestamps like I usually do because honestly we talk about it quite a bit um, and it would be pretty tedious to, to tell you every time we talk about it. So uh, if if those are topics that bother you, I would maybe skip this episode. Of course, you can always check the show notes for the recommendations of the books and things like that. So anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode. All right. So this week we are talking about how to talk to kids about depression. And I have some lovely guests with me who I'm going to invite to introduce themselves. We're just going to do our name, our pronouns, where we're from, our relationship with kids, and our relationship with the topic.
1: Okay, cool. My name is Lloyd Jones. Pronouns are, I guess, he, they. I'm not really particular about it, to be honest. Uh, I am from England, which you could probably guess. And my relationship with kids is um, I make picture books for children. Can you talk a
0: little bit about your relationship with the topic of depression?
1: I uh, have it. <laughs> and my first book was uh, was about that as well.
2: My name is Tuesday. Uh, I am from Michigan, which is in the United States. I kind of live in the middle of nowhere. My pronouns, I prefer they, them. My relationship with children, I have one. My relationship with depression, I have it. (laughs) That's about it.
0: So we talk a lot um, on the podcast about sort of – questions that sort of catch you off guard or that you're not really prepared to answer. So I'm curious if there was ever a time that a child asked you a question that you weren't prepared to answer.
2: I mean, I've definitely had that happen a lot. Uh, I'm just so awkward that I really didn't know how to answer. Like um, when I was pregnant, I hadn't gotten married yet. I got married later in my pregnancy. And uh, my little cousin, she's like, how can you be pregnant? My mom told me you can only get pregnant when you're married. <laughs> I was like, wow, I bet your mom told you to say that to me.
0: Yeah, it's you know, it's actually really interesting. There's a book called Families, Families, Families. It's by Suzanne Lang and Max Lang. That's who that's the authors. It's just a book that describes different kinds of families. It has pictures of animal like uh it's illustrated and it has pictures of animals to illustrate the families, but it's like, you know, some people have, you know, some Kids have two dads and some kids have two moms and some kids have this and some, you know, some kids have siblings and some kids don't, but that's one of the pages is some kids, some kids' parents are married and some kids' parents aren't. And I was like, I love that. I've never seen that in a, in a children's book before about different kinds of families where that was actually mentioned. And I think, you know, that's definitely important representation because not everybody's parents are married for sure. Especially like here, here in Quebec, it's interesting because there was like a big, it has to do with sort of like religious stuff, but there was a big separation from the church. And because of that, a lot of people in like a little bit older than my generation, like my sister-in-law and brother-in-law's generation, so like maybe five years older than me, really like aren't getting married. So like they're settling down and having kids and having a house, but like just are like, why do we need to prove to the church? Or like, why do we need to prove to anybody that like... To have a certificate to say. So it's interesting, like the different sort of mentalities around marriage. Definitely a funny one.
2: <laughs> I saw Allison, uh, Roden, the... kids had asked her if, if she was a boy or a girl. And I've had that question asked too, cause I've got like really short hair and I'm non-binary and I like to present masculine sometimes. And I'm just like, it used to kind of make me feel awkward before I started identifying as non-binary, but now I'm just like, I'm neither. And they're like, oh, okay.
0: I'm trans and now I am more or less pass as a man. But um, for the beginning of my transition, I was sort of like gender ambiguous looking. And I got that question a lot, but my favorite iteration of that question, I think this is what the child was sort of trying to ask. But what they did ask was I was on the tr- the subway one day in New York and the kid asked, are you a mommy? And I was like, no, are you a mommy?" And she was like, "No." And then she looked at me and said, "We have so much in common." <laughs> so, I'm also interested in how you would explain depression to a child.
2: If a kid were to ask me, I would just say that some people feel feel sad when sad things happen, but other people they can't control when they feel sad and they just feel sad for no reason. and they can't help that. and sometimes they need to take medication or go to therapy and talk to someone and they just need help to feel happy.
1: That's a good way of putting that, I think. That's part of the reason. So my, my my first book that I made, the one about depression, The Princess and the Fog, the reason I chose the protagonist to be a princess is I thought it was just a really nice way of getting across that sometimes people just have it. Someone could have a what on paper seems like a really great life. You know, she's lived in a big castle and has a million friends and horses and riches, but she still gets depressed because sometimes it just happens you know there's there's no logical reason for it and uh, sometimes people just need a bit a bit of help feeling happy as you said
0: yeah i like that a lot and i i I never actually thought about i I don't know why i i love you know the princess in the fog which is why you're here (laughs) (laughs) one of the things that i really i like never thought about the privilege aspect of it that like she you know has all of these things and is still you know it's not it's not about who you are it's just sort of you know can affect anybody
1: it's not it's not fair it's not it's not sort of a rational decision that, that the universe made to punish someone it, it, it's just like its not fair it can happen to just anyone
0: yeah and I think that's also really important to sort of like to explain to kids because kids are like young kids are very much about fairness right they're very um you know I'm the line leader and you you know I will always remember when somebody cut me I was supposed to be the line leader and Stephen tricked me into not being the line leader in the fourth grade And I will always remember that being wronged. And as kids, I think that that fairness is so important to us. And I think, you know, it can be hard to understand a concept of like something that's not fair and just can happen to anyone. So I think that it's important to sort of talk about that point of it. I'm also curious about just talking about what some of the, for folks who might not know what some of the symptoms of depression are and how those might manifest in a child as opposed to an adult. And I know also disclaimer, none of us are doctors. We're all talking about our own, our own experiences. Um, So yes, this is not medical advice.
1: (laughs) I I also, I've been a depression sufferer for as long as I can remember. I've just always had something and it was, very hard to get anyone to actually listen to me about it because it, it's 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 often it's only recently that um, psychologists have started to acknowledge that kids can even have it, and so when I was a kid, it was very much still being misdiagnosed, sort of brushed off even at times.
2: I was afraid to even go for a diagnosis until I was eighteen. I knew I had it for at least six years before that.
1: Yeah, I I was twenty, I think it, it was. I I distinctly remember a time, I'm not going to put anyone on blast here, but when I was a kid, I was, um, I tried to talk to a family member about it. I said, I think I'm depressed. I I must have been like somewhere between eight and 10. And uh, they said, what do you have to be depressed about? And I thought, oh, I guess I haven't earned it or, or whatever. And so I just kept quiet about it for the next the next 10 years.
0: Well, I, I think that that also speaks to how important it is when kids do come to us with things like that, to, um, not to just brush them off and to ask, you know, to ask
2: questions. I'm a big believer that people don't take children
0: seriously yeah. enough in our culture. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I just remember this is sort of in a different direction. And I've told this story on the podcast before, so sorry, listeners. There was a little kid who I was nannying and he was four at the time. And one day he woke up, you know, and I had told him, he had asked me about me being trans and I, you know, I was open that I was trans and sort of, uh, you know, had told him about that. And uh, he had the understanding that, you know, some boys have vulvas and some boys have penises and some girls have vulvas and some girls have, and, you know, people can be other genders. And, you know, he had this sort of background knowledge. And one day he woke up from his nap and he said, my name is Gabby. And I was like, okay, Gabby, what would you like me, what kind of pronouns would you like me to use for you? Would you like me to use she, he, they, and, and Gabby said she for a week went by Gabby and she. And then after a week was like, I'm Timothy again. And I use he pronouns. And I was like, okay, great. And. That, you know, I have no idea what that was to that child, right? That could have just been a game. It could have been, you know, gender exploration. It could have been a lot of things. But now that child knows that if they ever do decide to be Gabby again or anybody else, it's going to be taken seriously and respected. You know what I mean? And I think that it's really important to just respect children and and take them seriously. I hear a lot of stories, whether it's about, you know, whether it's about, um like medical conditions and things, or whether it's about gender or sexuality of kids. Like I remember coming to my mom and thinking, you know, being like, I think I'm a lesbian, and she was like, No, you're not. You just don't know what the difference between friends and romance is. And I was like, Oh, okay. You're a grown up, so I
1: guess you're right. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? That's um, and that's it's not just that's not just a child way of thinking. Like, oh, you're a grown up. You must, you know, you must be right. Grown ups also think that way a lot of the time. You know, they don't listen to kids because they think, you know, oh, you. You don't know, um, and I've been around longer, and I, I understand better. That 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 sort of misunderstanding goes both ways, I think. Yes, definitely. Kids are more switched on, and I think a lot of grown-ups give them credit for a lot of the time. For sure. I think,
2: even just drawing from my own experiences, isolation is a big one. Like, self-isolating, not taking interest in things that usually kids would enjoy, lashing out... having strong emotional but a lot of that also some of it is just symptoms of growing up which can make it difficult to diagnose in children because it's like are they just having moodiness because they're growing up or are they having moodiness because they are depressed
0: well yeah and I think that's also where it's important of course we were talking about how anybody you know uh can can get depression but it's also important to know your family history of things like that as well. And if, you know, children are more, like we have anxiety in my my wife's side of the family. My wife suffers from depression and anxiety. And, you know, we noticed in one of my nieces, she's like, I'm pretty sure that she has anxiety, right? Because it like runs in the family. And like, if we, if we didn't know that, we would sort of not pick up on the little cues that she's putting out. But because we're thinking about it, right? And we're mindful of it. It's like, oh, you know what? That's something to keep an eye out for as she grows up. And I think that it's important to, you know, sort of be mindful of all of these, even if it doesn't run in the family to be, the more we know, right, the better we can keep an eye out for different kinds of things and take them seriously. And especially like Lloyd was saying, like, if if your kid comes to you and says something like that, to absolutely take it seriously. <laughs> also, like, what? That's so, like, I can't even imagine, like knowing the word depression at that age too is like kind of
1: amazing. I must've picked it up from somewhere. I don't know where.
0: For me, I just,
2: I just always had this feeling like I was different and I didn't know why. And I just felt like a disconnect from any people that could be considered friends or family. And I just felt like I was different from everybody.
0: And so I know we've talked uh, a little bit you've both shared a little bit already but if you're comfortable uh, sharing sort of can you talk a little bit about your personal experience with depression and how for Lloyd this might not be relevant but how that um, has impacted the kids in your life
1: Um, should we answer Allison's question first what do you guys think about talking too
0: much about one's depression depression is hereditary and at one point my brother kept talking about it and would not talk
1: about anything else I didn't know it was hereditary actually that's interesting
2: I think that's just like a really difficult question because you got to make kids aware of it. But at the same time, I guess if you talk about it and just like talk about it too much that they can like trick themselves into thinking they have it. I don't know if that's actually a thing, but that might be something something people fear
0: you know like the people yeah I think I mean I think that makes I think just like anything right you don't I I think maybe you wouldn't want to talk about it too much and like scare a child about it but I think being open about it in terms of just like being open about how you're feeling right like for example because my wife has depression she gets very tired uh, a lot of the times and needs to take naps sometimes so like when we're with our nieces you know she'll sometimes she'll need to take a nap and she'll say you know we'll explain like this is why I need to take a nap and that's what's happening. And I think that's just sort of in, in the moment explanations, as opposed to
1: just sitting them down and being like, I'm depressed. Let me tell you all about it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good as well because that, that's going to normalize behaviors like, uh, like needing to nap and stuff like that. I think that that makes more sense. It contextualizes things.
0: Yeah. Normalizing and talking about that stuff I think is really important. Or even like, for example, like I will, if uh, you know, most of the time, just the way that I personally process emotions, I'm pretty like calm and collected, but you know, once in a while, like, I mean, I I cry and I get upset about things and it, if that happens while I'm with children or if, Even if I'm frustrated or angry or whatever the feeling is, I'll say like, hey, you know, I'm angry right now because this is happening. I'm sad right now because this is happening. And like, I think it's important also to be vulnerable about our own emotions with kids and to show them that it's okay to express emotions, you know?
1: Yeah, I think that's important.
2: With kids talking about depression, it really depends on the age as well. Like younger kids, it's best to just keep it simple and not talk about it very much. Unless it's like, like you said, where it's a situation where... It's affecting me right now. And you just explain what's happening and Then, when they're older. Uh, maybe explain more in depth, but also not, like, oversharing, like you said, not to scare them. But I don't really think that you can share too much. You're not going to get depression just from hearing about it. And and if you think your kid has depression because they're talking about it all the time a doctor can tell you whether or not that's actually true
0: yeah i mean that's fair i think i think like you were saying and we talk a lot about this is meeting children where we're, where they're at right and answering the questions that they're asking you know if a child who's 4 asks me hey what's depression i'm going to give a di- different answer than if you know A teenager asks me, or if a nine year old asks me, or, you know, and also asking, well, what do you want to know about that? Right? What do you know already about it? Just checking in, what do you know? And what do you want to know? Because sometimes they'll ask questions and my favorite example of this is about the topic of sex. There was a little anecdote that a friend told me where a kid, a child had asked their father, what is sex? And the father gave an explanation and the kid said, okay, because mom says dinner is done in five sex. <laughs> and so it's important to know what children are actually asking, <laughs> right? Definitely like you were saying too, giving them, you know, meeting them where they're at and giving them the information that's age appropriate for them uh, and not giving them. Because honestly, right? Like a three-year-old doesn't want your 20-page dissertation about depression and how it affects brain chemistry and you know what I mean like that's not the information they're looking for uh so I'm curious a little bit about your own you know whatever you want to share about your own personal experience with depression and uh how if it has impacted the kids in your life in what way
2: I think uh when I was not so much younger but as I've gotten older uh, it's just made me actually more aware of the feelings of children in my life and more compassionate towards them and what they're going through, what they may be going through. And uh, as a parent, I think it's kind of the same thing where I'm just more compassionate towards my child and more understanding. Even though he's still a toddler and he doesn't really have so many complex emotions yet, it, I just feel like it helps me come down to his level and understand what's going on in his brain better.
1: I suppose you've got the experience to sort of look out for, you know what red flags to sort of pick up on if you were... Yeah, absolutely.
2: I've also got a a lot of little cousins and I've got three uh, younger siblings, so I was around younger kids a lot. I think when I started to uh, feel like I was depressed, that uh, I found a lot of solace in hanging out with my cousins and my little siblings more and more the older I got. Because, uh, you know, they were kind of in the same boat
0: as me. And uh, it, I felt like it just brought us together. Well, I think definitely, right, like sharing experiences, you know, definitely can help connect us. I'm also curious, because I think we sort of skipped over, I asked sort of a two-parted question, and I don't think you really got to answer this part of the question. But um, what are some of those things that we can look out for?
1: As a, as a kid, I was often described as fed up, you know, I was always sort of bored and just like not happy doing whatever I was doing or being wherever I was at. And I was just a bit not quite restless because that sounds more active, but just like, yeah, just, just, just fed up, just never quite sort of satisfied with what I was doing. And I think... Some teachers sort of mislabeled it as having an attitude problem. I just think I remember getting some school reports that were like, you know, <laughs> this arrogant child doesn't care about what I've. T- but it's just because you know, I just, yeah. And that's I guess that's one that's not as as readily talked about is the sort of the, that boredom, that le- lethargic feeling you get from depression, and that that's definitely a, that was a big one for me when I was a kid. It's just that constant kind of not feeling up to it. You know?
2: I had that a lot, too, before I started really feeling the more intense symptoms of depression growing up. It was mostly just a lot of being discontented. And uh, I, for me, yeah. the way it, it presented yeah. was that uh, I wouldn't like, do any homework or anything because I just couldn't make myself like get into anything
0: the like lack of motivation.
2: Yeah, but, but I was really smart and I was always I was always reading. That's what I would do because I was always bored and I needed something to stimulate me. So I just read and read and read always every second of my day. So the teachers were just like, you know, she's smart, she's fine. It's all good. It was not all good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, it's about time for some announcements first of all, as always, thank you so much for listening. I actually wanted to give a special shout out to a new listener, Tracy, who reached out to us about our body positivity episode and how it really helped her navigate that conversation with her 13-year-old. So um, it always brings me a lot of joy um, when I I know that the work that we're doing is actually helping people. (laughs) So please, if you have found any of our past episodes helpful, feel free to just shoot us an email, um, message us on Facebook, any of that stuff, and let us know because it really uh helps motivate us and the work that we're doing here. Aside from that we just have one other announcement which is I just wanted to quickly tell you about one of the Upford Network's uh new shows Natural Toonie uh, which I've mentioned before it's an actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast uh which means that we are playing the game of Dungeons and Dragons and you can listen along to the story. Um I am actually now a regular cast member of that show um so if you Dungeons and Dragons is something that interests you, definitely check that out. It's called Natural Tuny. You can find it on the Upford Network's website, www.upfordnetwork.com, or on the podcatcher of your choice. It is for older teens and adults, I would not recommend it for children, because it does tackle some more mature topics. But at any rate, other than that, just our regular stuff. You can follow us at Radchild Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you do want to reach out to us, we were talking about earlier, you can definitely do that by emailing us at radchildpodcast at gmail.com or by going on www.radchildpodcast.com and going to the Contact Us section. In the Contact section, you can also find out information about being a guest for a future episode if that's something that interests you and if you would like to join the ranks of our lovely patrons emma kai and alex by making a small or large monthly donation um you can do so by going to www dot patreon forward slash radchild podcast you can make a donation as little as a dollar a month um, up to as much as you would like and there's all sorts of different rewards for our different tiers we have things like bloopers care packages book recommendations personalized to your kiddos um, and lots of different things so definitely check that out uh, and last but not least if you go either on our website dot uh, www.radchildpodcast.com Uh, under store or if you go on etsy and search radchild podcast you can find all of our awesome merch we've got lots of fun stuff there buttons stickers postcards um and hopefully we'll be coming up with some new stuff soon and uh last but not least i almost forgot uh, i just wanted to thank everyone because we are officially a year old woohoo um so that's really exciting thank you for sticking with us and we hope to grow even more uh in this following year so if you know anybody who uh might like this podcast give them a out let them know all right uh without further ado let's hear it from rebecca and crystal do you wish more picture books truly reflected your family's values have you ever thought you found the perfect book but when you got it home it completely missed the mark Shift Book Box is a picture book subscription service for kids ages 3 to 8, built around themes of social justice and centering diverse characters and creators. Each box features two beautiful picture books as well as expertly crafted discussion guides. We know that families want to engage kids in conversations about social justice topics, and we recognize how challenging it can be to find the right books and to feel supported in having these conversations. We find the books... We provide the prompts. You get both delivered to your door. Subscribe today at shiftbookbox.com and use the code RADCHILD. RADCHILD. All one word, RADCHILD. RADCHILD. For 10% off your first order. Shift Bookbox: Curating little libraries. Cultivating big change. All right. So we talked a little bit about this already, but do you think that it's helpful or harmful to, you know, talk to kids about our feelings and why, you know, why or why not?
2: Again, with the age thing, like if it's a younger kid, maybe just kind of generalize. like I'm sad right now. I'm sorry if it's affecting you. uh, And then with older kids, you know, just... Explain to them, like, what's going on and that uh, it's not their fault. That's a big one. Because a lot of kids uh, see you acting a certain way or see you sad or mad and they'll automatically assume it's their fault. And I think that's a big thing to make sure that they know that it's not because of them, that you're feeling a certain way.
1: Yeah, I I don't see how it could possibly be harmful to talk about this stuff. I think um, any context you can give kids on on this or any any similar issue is, is it's really vital in helping them understand it and helping them, you know, know how they should feel about it. And I think it's, I think it's crucial to be open and honest with children.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, well, I think that I'm the like, why it would be harmful category. I think that at least my in my childhood, I feel like a lot of, like my parents wanted to protect me and wanted to come off like they were very strong. And to them, that meant not, you know, not being vulnerable in front of me and not letting me see them cry or be upset or those kinds of things. And I think that that is, you know, shifting a little bit in parenting now where it's a little more about being, you know, being vulnerable and being, you know, and, and understanding that, like, how are our kids going to understand how to deal with their emotions if we're not showing them right us having coping mechanisms and us being upset and so i think that that's it's just i'm all about like just being honest and vulnerable with kids in general i just think it's really uh really important and helpful because we can't expect them to understand how to do things if we're not mirroring them
2: i had a lot of that same issue with my parents but i had a lot of the same issues with my parents trying to like put on this face that they wanted to project that they that the, nothing was wrong, that they were per you know trying to be perfect, and my parents were not perfect and I could see that, but but they tried to like be what they thought the perfect parent would be. with it was very wildly different with both of my parents because my mom tried to do that by like oversharing and uh, ended up, I mean I was I was too young for the stuff she was sharing with me and with my dad, he never shared anything and he was the tough guy. And uh, so that, I think, reflected a lot on me, and is a lot of the reason I have anxiety, because uh, I'm so afraid to, like, show emotions, because that was uh, how I was raised to be, to not express my emotions. Trying to be more vulnerable with children, to show them that us adults are not perfect, and that we can also make mistakes, because that's a pretty huge thing for kids, to be able to know that they can have grace when, uh, when they make mistakes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I had a a similar experience where all of a sudden then I became an adult and realized like, oh, my parents aren't perfect. I was just like, whoa, they're just like these flawed people, just like everybody, (laughs) you know? And I think that that was like actually kind of harm, like detrimental to my relationship with my parents because I felt like, oh, you kind of pretended to be someone else for all these years. So I just, yeah, I just always think that being truthful and vulnerable with kids is really one of the best things that we can do. Like you were saying with limits, right? Not totally oversharing or um, with being age appropriate about it for sure.
2: I always remember there's this post, I don't know if it was a tweet or something. It was like, man, when I was a kid, I suspected adults weren't all that, all that smart, but man, I didn't realize the situation was this dire.
0: (laughs) Obviously that's like, you know, a funny meme, but it's true, right? Like we, one of one of the things that I always say to kids is like, if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer, I'll say, I don't know. Like and if it's some right, if it's something that we can research, right, like we'll be like, I don't know. I don't know if a starfish has a mouth. Let's look it up. <laughs> or whatever weird question they're asking me. Um, But I think that it's important. And even as a teacher, that's, you know, my background is in art education. And that's something that I think we were sort of taught was like to admit when you don't know something and don't just BS it. I think it's important for kids to know that we are not these all-knowing perfect beings.
1: I don't think there's any room for arrogance in education i think if you don't know something it's much more beneficial for everybody to actually say oh why didn't we figure that out
2: i was definitely one of those kids that asked a lot of questions that that adults didn't know and they're just like shut up
0: <laughs> yeah that is uh, we do not recommend answering the questions with shut up no yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of times we'll shut kids down or I think sometimes they can wear us down with their why, 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 why. But I think, I don't know, I tend to think if kids are continuing to asking why, then that means that we're not answering the question well enough. I haven't figured out what your question actually is if you keep asking why. But then again, there are kids who are just going to ask why about everything. So, so we talked a little bit uh, about about these things, but um, you know, therapy and medication are often parts of treatment for depression and uh, can kind of be like a little bit of taboo subjects, even among adults. Uh, and I'm curious how you would talk to your kids the kids in your life about these things, either, you know, as an adult yourself who utilizes these things, or, you know, or if a child has depression, and they, you know, maybe need to utilize these things.
2: It's good to explain to kids that depression means like you're, you're sick, but it's in your brain, and you still need to see a doctor for being sick. And the difference is that instead of your doctor helping you with something physical, they are
0: helping you with something mental. I love that. And that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's easy for kids to understand, okay, when I have right a you know, when my I get a, a stomach ache or whatever, I'm feeling sick and I go to the, you know, the doctor who takes care of my body, right? Who my stomach or whatever, then I can, you know, if my brain is sick, then I go to the doctor that takes care of my brain. I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: There's definitely uh stigmas about um about depression and, and and its its treatments, and I always remember. I mean, this isn't. I wasn't a kid. I was like twenty. This is when I first was diagnosed officially with depression, and I felt weird about going on medication because just I, I, it, the the stigma was already so ingrained with me. I was like, oh, whoa, no, I don't want to do that. Whoa, that's you know. And the doctor explained, you know, if I had diabetes, I would get. <laughs> I would be medicated for that, and how would I feel about that? And I'd say, oh, I guess I'd feel fine about that. And you'd be like, okay, what's the difference? It's, it's the same. You have an illness, and medication is a, a possible treatment for it. Why do you feel weird about this illness? Whereas if you had another illness, you'd be fine with it. And it got me thinking, oh, okay, yeah.
0: Yeah, There's a lot of stigma around mental health, and there's a lot of misunderstandings around mental health. And I mean, especially, I feel like especially with depression and anxiety, particularly, for example, I was looking, I was, the next uh, episode that we're doing is about anxiety. And I was looking up books about anxiety uh, for kids, like children's books about anxiety, because uh, I have one that I really like, and uh, all birds have anxiety, which is a great one, it's also, also by Jessica Kingsley. Yeah, and and it sort of explains explains anxiety and what it. It's a more of a didactic book that's sort of like this is what anxiety is. This is you know, but it has pictures of birds and it's just it's very funny. It's very cute. But anyway, I was so I was looking for other books about anxiety, and all the books that were coming up were like it, the list would say kids books about anxiety, and it would be like I'm afraid of the dark. Or I have, I'm worried about stuff. And I'm like, being worried about stuff is different than having anxiety. And these would be lists from therapists that I was finding. And I'm like, you don't understand what anxiety is if you're giving me a book about somebody who's afraid of the dark or somebody who's worried about something.
2: I think maybe an approach to that would be to look more at, like, psychologist-recommended books. Because,
0: But even so, these were, like, therapist-recommended. I was, like, very surprised. At, and it's just it just goes to show the lack of understanding around a lot of mental health issues. And there's just, like, a lot of stigma. And I think that it's, like, you know, we need to break it down to just like you were saying. Like, just if any other part of your body you know, was sick or not working or whatever, we would give it, we, we would get medicine and you would go to the doctor for it. And it's the same, it's the same idea. Contextualizing it, like we were talking about before, right? I don't know why it always comes back to naps for this, but um, it's, it's like when it, you know, when it comes up in conversation or if kids ask me about things, I'm always, you know, honest about them. And I think, uh, I think that's, you know, it sort of makes it, it normalize things, right? For a kid to see me their parent or whoever taking medication every day it normalizes the taking of medication or i'll be open about like oh yeah i'm going to therapy tonight like like i'm doing anything else like oh i'm going to play a game with my friends tonight oh i'm going to therapy on tuesday whatever that's my schedule uh and i think that that helps you know normalize those things for kids for sure
2: i try to do that a lot as well like uh just in normal conversation be like well Today, I've got this. Uh, Tomorrow, I've got therapy. Then next week, I am seeing the psychologist over the phone. Really nice, by the way. Working it into my daily talks with people like, what's up? Oh, you know, just got back from therapy. It was really nice.
0: I think everybody can benefit from going to therapy. I don't think there's a person in the world who wouldn't. I don't think everyone needs therapy, but I think everyone would benefit from therapy. Yeah, just like
2: talking things out. Like, because every, everyone has problems. Yeah,
0: we all have stuff going on. And I think that there's, you know, it's interesting that there's such a stigma against just talking about your problems. Yeah, I don't know what that is. It's very interesting. That's that's an episode for another kind of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm also interested in, uh, you know, what kinds of coping mechanisms we can use to to help us, you know, deal with depression and maybe things that we can, you know, also share with the children in our in our lives.
2: I like to, uh, you know, like I said before, I like reading a lot, uh, playing video games, just any kind of games at all. With children, there's so many options for even video games these days, interactive video games for toddlers and everything. I just feel like we're really lucky to live in this day and age, even though there still exists that stigma because there are so many outlets for us to uh, cope with our mental illnesses video games and youtube and stuff like this podcast
0: yeah i think i know personally like for for my wife like distraction is a big part of it like when she's having strong feelings and she can't you know and she's spiraling and can't get out of those feelings like you were saying like playing video games right now she's We actually recently won a Nintendo Switch. Very exciting. And so she's been playing Animal Crossing and uh, you know, like everybody else
1: during this quarantine,
0: you know, and those kinds of things for her are really, or listening to podcasts, like you were saying, like those kinds of things are really helpful when you need to sort of like escape.
1: I think it's important too, because a big problem I have is I tend to beat myself up about taking time for myself. Even if I like really need to spend a day just playing a video game and not talking to anyone because I'm in a depressive funk and that's what I need to do. I will then like kick myself about it. I'd be like, oh, you why are you wasting your time like this? And it's I think it's important to not only do those things, but also to allow yourself to do those things and be 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 kind about it. Be, be be nice enough to let yourself have that break. Absolutely. And I think that's part of a lot
0: of societal pressures of always being productive and productivity and, you know, which stems from capitalism, which is a whole nother episode. But I think that, you know, it's hard sometimes to allow ourselves to have that time to ourselves, uh, and I know sometimes similarly when my wife has those days, she'll be like, "Oh, I wasted a day," and I'm like, "But you didn't waste a day. You spent a day on yourself." And it's that reframing, I think, of of that because you're important, right? Like you, it, and I always like whenever we're having those moments, where we're thinking about, you know, oh, I'm not worth it, or I'm not this. I'm like, would you talk to your friend like that, or would you talk to me like that? And I think that's that's one that really helps me. Like, when I'm beating myself up, I'm like, huh, when I talk to my wife like that, would I be like, you wasted a whole day. You're worthless. Like, no, I definitely would not say that.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, uh, a coping mechanism that really helps me. I have depression and anxiety. Uh, and this kind of helps with both in its own ways. Um, I read an article recently about the, uh, the impossible task. I don't know if you've heard that particular terminology. It, it rings a bell, but I'm not. So it's this idea that... Um, you know, when you have depression or, or associated illnesses, um, sometimes something that you've done a million times before, something that should be relatively straightforward, it just suddenly you, you just can't do it. You've got this blocker in place. Maybe it's cooking dinner for yourself or eating anything at all, or, or maybe it's, you know, going for a walk or whatever it is. Um, for some reason, some days you just will wake up and you won't be able to do that thing and you'll sort of beat yourself up about it. And something I've often really helped with that is um i like to make uh i like to make lists and i like to sort of plan things it only takes like five minutes you just get a spare piece of paper and a pen and you just kind of write down what are the things that you need to do what are the things that you would like to do when things need to be done if they have deadlines or whatever and just having that out in front of me helps me feel a bit more like If the impossible task is something that doesn't need to be done right now, I don't have to do it right now. And that helps me calm down, you know? If it's that I've got a commission that needs to be done for this weekend, just having it in my head kind of freaks me out but if i write it down it's like oh actually it's three days till the weekend i can i can pause
0: i do the same i do the same thing i have adhd and i do the same thing for my adhd as far as like making lists lists are so or such a helpful it sounds like such a simple thing but it can be such a helpful coping mechanism for so many different things just like having it written down and out in front of you
1: and like just get it out of your head because it's, yes. it's it's just going flying around in there and making you panic. <laughs> but if you can actually look at it, if it's something you can hold in your hand and you can sort of look at it and go, ah, this is one thing. This is just one thing. You know, they're really helpful. I think that's, that's really good advice. And I think that's advice you could, you could share with children as well. I think that's something they would, they would understand. I'm sure it's, uh yeah, just sort of sit down, take, stock of the things that you that you need and want to do and then it helps you focus that much more and it's it's such a simple way to do that
0: and with a kid that could even you know that could even look like drawing about it too or yeah you can do all sorts of different things with that But sort of getting the worries you know or the whatever you're thinking you know ruminating on out and onto paper or in like a physical you know, way I think can be really helpful. So another thing about depression right now, there, you know, there's chronic de- chronic depression, which is, you know, different than, you know, acute depression, right? So there are people who suffer from depression their whole lives. And, you know, that's just a part of a part of them. And there are people who might have a, you know, have depression and then, uh, you know, they don't have, you know, don't have it anymore. Um, it might be related to an event or something like that um but when we're talking about chronic depression you know how do we explain as opposed to right i think a lot of kids there you know if we're if we're talking about it like if we're comparing it to an illness like oh okay maybe you get sick then you get better and then you're done having a cold right how do we sort of explain to them that you know a chronic condition like depression doesn't go away you know what i mean
2: well there's a lot of like chronic conditions like like you were saying earlier about diabetes uh There's plenty of things that are physical illnesses that are also lifelong. You just have to learn how to uh, fit it into your life while also living and having a life.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And you can't let it, like, uh, control your life because there's this big um, pressure to just, like... I mean, the pressure is from the depression, usually, to just, like, make it every moment about the depression. And uh, I think part of... uh, medication and therapy is to uh bring yourself down to some sort of normalcy or at least attempt to uh your own version of normalcy as it is since everybody's version of normalcy is different and i don't like to use the term normal actually yeah me neither <laughs> <laughs> but um i think that that's a pretty big uh, pretty big thing is to not let it run your life
1: i think I, I i sort of touched on this a couple times in in the book as well it's I think an important way to to get the idea across, because it can be kind of a rough thing to, to hear, I suppose, for kids suffering through this, and you say, like, this might be something that you have forever. Yeah. Is importing the idea that you can learn to live with it. You know, you, you can sort of not quite get used to it but you there's 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 coping mechanisms you can you can use consistently and often that will that will just help make it that bit easier every day that's honestly
0: one of my one of my favorite parts of the books is that it doesn't have like a happy you know i thought it was just gonna be like and then everything's better at the end and it's funny when i was when i was first you know i was actually at the trans health conference uh in philly when i first found it like jessica kingsley had a A a table there. And I made sure I read all the way to the end. And I was like, how is this going to end? And I love that, you know, the idea of when it comes back, we know how to cope with it, right? So it's not like it's, it's going to be great forever. You know, there might be times where it comes back, but it's about knowing how to cope that's a really important thing to to drive home. It's not like, well, it might come back and be terrible. But it's like, well, what can we do when it comes back, right? We've done this, this and that that have been helpful for us. So we know how to deal with it. And so I think that that's a way to make that a little more optimistic. <laughs> so I also um, wanted to talk a little bit about uh, self harm and suicide. And I'm curious, like, that's definitely something that is, you know, tough to talk about. And also I think has a lot of taboo around it as well. And I'm curious, you know, how do we, how could we talk to kids about these kinds of subjects, whether it's about our own experiences with them or whether it's about talking to a child who might be, you know, doing self-harm or things like that.
2: That was one of the questions that, uh, I'm glad that you sent us the questions beforehand because, um, I would have answered for the first question that, uh, I've had kids ask about my scars, and uh, that is the most awkward, and I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. Because that's one of those things where it's like age appropriateness. I I don't know when it's appropriate because it's kind of just when do you know what's appropriate for a child when it comes to that.
0: Yeah, and I I don't – like personally, that's why I asked that question because I also don't – like I don't know that I have a good answer to that question. I think it's really – But it's definitely something that comes up, right? Because a a lot of, you know, there are a lot of folks who do have visible, visible scars and things like that. And, um, and kids, you know, kids just ask their, you know, they have questions about everything. And I think that it's, it's definitely a tricky one to answer. And so I'm curious, you know, even if uh, listeners or other people have thoughts about that I would love to hear
2: for me I used to when I was really insecure about it I used to just straight up lie and say they were something else which you know kids are pretty smart and they can tell <laughs> that <laughs> that you're lying <laughs> but I just didn't know what else to say but now I think um, a better response would be like uh, along the same lines as like how we've been talking about depression being an illness like any other illness you know some. Some people, they they break a leg or they fall or they have surgery and they get a scar and I have depression and that's a scar from my depression. Mm,
0: I like that for like a younger younger kid first. Sure. Which
2: is kind of skirting it also, but for younger ones, yeah, that would work.
0: <laughs> so we talked about this a little bit, but what are, what are some ways that we could help support a child who is depressed or what are some ways maybe that you wish you were supported when you were younger?
1: Honestly, I would have loved to have just... Uh, talk about it you know I wanted to talk about it I was sort of I learned the word depression from somewhere I, I don't know where and um, I, I wish yeah I'd been able to have an open and frank conversation about about what it was and feel a bit less alone and and hopeless I think that would have been good just to just a conversation it's it kind of I I would have loved that. I think that would have made a huge difference. Or even like I wish there would there had been books um about it when I was a kid or or any whatever cartoons whatever that whatever the hell just any resource at all um but it was so not widely understood then that there there wasn't really anything for me. And yeah, I I wish I'd had I wish I'd had something like that. So, yeah, books and 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 things we can talk about uh, with 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 the kids in your life, I think, yeah, just 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 talk about it and and let them know that other people have this and that there's stuff that can be done.
0: Yeah, I think the representation, like you were saying, is so important, I think, just in in a mul- in multitudes of things, because like, for, for me, for me, I didn't, you know, have any resources for, you know, being trans when I was a kid, I had no idea that trans was a word, <laughs> until I was in like, my mid 20s, you know, and that took me, you know, it took me a really long time to figure that out, because there were no resources, I didn't know anybody who was trans, I didn't hear stories about
1: people who were trans, we didn't, we you know, we didn't talk about it. I have a similar thing about being bi, I think I, I always was when I was a kid. And that. That was just not something i knew how
0: oh, to even now even now by bi- yeah, i am also by and even now by representation is like pfft, gosh i'm so it's funny this is a tangent but there's a show called the magicians that's on sci-fi and and they had it's it's pretty good and um they had a bisexual the main character was bisexual of course they didn't like actually say it but like he did you know date and sleep with both men and women and um but we can't actually say the word bisexual you know and uh oh, god forbid <laughs> and um and then of course they had him cheat on someone and i was like of course that's what we can't we're can, all doing just... constantly yep because yeah i'm like that we have to go into that stereotype of we're all just you know yep yep but just to go yeah like you were saying it's just representation is so important
2: just going to bring it back too cuz uh I, I i was just going to tie it back again to what we were saying earlier about uh how our parents presented this like facade to us that we learned to emulate and uh you know, just breaking out of that and uh, being vulnerable is a is a big thing for kids to make sure to let them see that you're vulnerable, and uh, that that will that will bring more trust to you. Like even with my two year old, I can tell like I'm very open and vulnerable with him, even though he doesn't really understand that. He picks up on it still, and he always comes to me straight away if he gets hurt. If anything, any emotion he's feeling, he looks right at me and is like waiting for me to like approve, disapprove or like just see what my reaction is.
0: Yeah, I think that's, oh my gosh, that's such a big thing with kids too, where like if we don't make a big deal out of it. Usually it's okay unless they're really hurt, right? But most of the time, like if they stumble or something, they kind of look at us and they see how we react. And if we freak out, they start freaking out. But like, if we could just be calm, like they they kind of mirror that energy.
1: I've got friends who've got like really really tough kids, and I've seen like they they trip over and it could be like a really nasty looking spill, and they'll just go oops and pick them up, and then the kid's fine. And I'm just like, what? Like. It just blows my mind. There was a
0: comic. I have to find it now to put it to put it in the show notes or on Instagram. But there was a comic that was like that. That was like a toddler was running and a meteor came and fell on the toddler. And the you know and there were two adults and the adult was like, oh my god. And the, the other adult was like, Shh, just don't say anything. And then the toddler just like gets up and runs away. You know, <laughs> like so true. Sort of going going back to you know as adults uh with depression. I think that children really often love being helpers and want to be able to help and fix things and so while recognizing obviously that everyone has different experiences and different needs you know if a child asks how they can help an adult in their life who has depression what are maybe some ways that they could support an adult in their life
1: i might be getting ahead of myself a bit because i know you're going to ask us about this later on but there is a book called not today celeste that's by uh, liza stevens which is really nice it's another picture book celeste is a is a, is a dog and her human gets depressed and it's about it's sort of framed about um it sort of describes how how she learns to to help him the, the the human uh adult with 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 his uh with his depressive symptoms and i think it's just a really nice it's a really nice resource and i think it's uh it's a really nice it's a really nice book. It's another jessica kingsley one because you know that's yeah a lot of kids will have a tendency to blame themselves for stuff or to or to think about how i think having just patience and understanding that this is something that someone else is working through and it's not necessarily the kid's fault. I think if you can impart that on the kid, I think that's, that's a really good way that they can, that they can help is just having that, um, giving them, giving them the context and understanding that they need to understand what, what the person is going through is really valuable. Um, I think if a, kid wants to help being patient being patient with the person you know what i mean i'm not explaining this well but i feel like no
0: no that makes a lot of sense
1: yeah i feel that's...
0: like um
2: like this is a topic that's kind of got a, like a really big gray area cuz for some people they have very different reactions to different stimuli when they're having like a depressive episode like i know for me when I'm having either a depressive episode or an anxiety attack, I, I need somebody to be there to, like, hug me and comfort me. But for other people, they just want to be, like, do not touch me, you know, kind of deal. Like, questions are always a good one. Tell the kid, you know, to tell the kids, like, well, if you have someone in your life who is depressed, ask them what you can do to help them. because. They will know better than any advice someone else could give, you know.
0: Yeah, and that's why I sort of wanted to drive home that like everybody has, obviously, everyone has different experiences, and you know, um, something that works for one person might not work for someone else. But I, I definitely think that it's really important to, you know, to be. Like, I mean, I just keep, I am a broken record with talking about being vulnerable with kids, but I think there, there was another episode we were talking about grief and one of the, the parents had just lost their, so it was a, a, like a three generational household where it was the grandmother, the father and the daughter who was three and the grandmother just passed away and they were all living in the same house. And uh, he was talking about how, you know, sometimes when they talk about the grandmother, you know, the little girl knows to just like give the dad a hug. (laughs) you know, like she knows that like, that's like, he had said, like, you know, I just when we talk about Tita, like, I just, you know, I need a hug. And so whenever they do, like, she just gives him a hug, like she knows that now, you know what I mean, that that's like something that he needs, and is able to give that easily, you know what I mean? It's something that she can understand, even at three, that, you know, oh, this makes my parents sad, I can give them a hug that can help them feel better. And so I think that, you know, just being clear about our needs, like whether it's we need to be alone, we need someone with us, or um, whatever it is, is, you know, kids are able to do do those things or whether it's, you know, being patient or, you know what, I, I really am feeling tired and I need you to do, you know, to help me with clean up your own toys today or whatever, you know, whatever those things might be. I
2: think a good example of kids helping out uh, adults or older siblings, even with depression, I've seen there's a post that's a couple years old where a kid brother or sister puts Skittles in with their siblings, depression meds. And I think that uh, small things like that, just to make make that person feel more accepted, like if it's an older kid who understands more what's going on, let them know to like uh, help normalize stuff like that.
0: We've talked a couple of times on the podcast about Spoon Theory. Are y'all familiar with Spoon Theory? Oh
2: God, yeah. No, actually.
0: So basically, it's uh, it's this theory that, and I need to, I, I keep forgetting the name of the person who uh, coined this term. So I will have to put it in the show notes, but um, basically it's this theory that everybody every day, you know, has a certain, it's a disability theory that everybody every day has a certain amount of spoons. And so folks with with disabilities might have less spoons and the folks with, you know, and it, it sort of is like equivalent to energy, right? So I, a relatively able-bodied person might wake up and have 10 spoons and it might take me like, uh, recording this podcast might take one spoon for me and, you know, cleaning the house might take a spoon or two or whatever. And, and it's how much energy I have. But for my wife, for example, she might wake up today and only have three spoons because she has depression and anxiety, right? And it might take her a whole spoon to get out of bed. It might take her a whole spoon to take a shower, right? And then she's left the rest of the day with one spoon and, you know, has to decide how to expend that. Um And I think that that's something 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 that is pretty, it's, you know, visual, like you can literally just take out some spoons and explain, you know, explain it to kids. And I think that it's something that they can understand. And it's a theory that I just really like. I find it as a visual person, I find it very tangible and um,
1: very easy to understand. I was going to say, I actually have heard this. I don't know why it's spoons, though. I don't know why that's the particular...
0: Well, the the, the sort of theory, uh, the, the myth behind it, at least from what I know, uh, well, I have to do a little more research on this because I I always heard it as sort of like, we didn't really know where it came from. And then I was talking to one of my co-hosts last week and they were like, no, no, we know the person's name. So I don't, don't quote me on this. Um, But basically what they were saying is that they were at dinner with a friend and they were trying to explain this to a friend. So they literally just took all the silverware on the table and put it in front of them and was like, this is it. So that's why it's spoons.
1: So it's just <laughs> an arbitrary. It's just a thing yes. that you can have multiple yep. of. Okay. Well,
0: there's, there's a, there's a really, um, well, I'm saying it's really great. I hope it's great. It, I have it uh, coming to me. I've only read reviews of it, but there's a book called a kid's book called how many marbles do you have? And it's the same idea about spoon theory, but for kids, but it's with marbles. And, uh, so, so there are, you know, some kids resources about, about spoon theory. I'm hoping I'm crossing my fingers that it's as good as I want it to be.
2: <laughs> I use that, the spoon theory to explain to my mom about how, uh, I, I, my depression and my anxiety I also have some chronic pain issues and for me that's a big issue is having energy and I explained to her that you know you might wake up one day with the same amount of spoons as me also but it also takes me more spoons to do certain things than it than it would you like it takes a whole spoon for me to just get out of bed and go downstairs for you that might take like literally no spoons to make it visual like that just helps in general, not even just children.
0: Oh yeah. For adults too. I mean, it's, you know, a theory that is used with adults, but, um, I think it's just helpful. Again, it's like, it, it, it there's something more tangible about it than just saying like, I don't have energy to do that. You know what I mean? The idea that we all sort of have different, you know, amounts and, and it's like, you know, just, those spoons might not regenerate the next day. You might wake up and have no spoons.
2: Yeah, I also explain that uh that like, you know, if you run out of spoons doing doing essential stuff and then you've got more stuff to do, you might borrow spoons from tomorrow and then tomorrow there's less things you can do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that that's something a really useful way that we can explain that that to kids and Lloyd, you had already uh, mentioned one, but I'm curious if if either of you have any other recommendations for resources, whether it's kids books or uh, it could be, I mean it could be for adults as well, but resources whether they're books or videos or websites and anything that you found useful or you like.
2: I couldn't really think of anything. I I've been like more looking for resources and now that I'm getting them from you guys like these books for my son, I'm like writing it down. I'm like this is what I got to read and this is what I got to read. <laughs> so I I don't really know that that I have any recommendations cuz I'm I've been looking for them.
1: Fair enough, yeah. I mentioned Not Today Celeste that's a, that's a good one. I had a black dog. There's a whole series of those books by uh, Matthew Johnston. They're like picture books for adults basically. They 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 that very sort of picture book formula sort of uh, one or two lines of text on a page and then an illustration depicting, you know, what's happening, but it's a really good way of describing uh depression for anyone who's got it really. The first book is is kind of a first person perspective Matthew Johnston writing about his own experiences. But then there's a whole series of them from sort of different, different perspectives and things like that. They're 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 really good. As well as there's a friend of mine, uh, Emmy Smith, uh, who's actually made a book about um, coping with uh, uh, a loss of a, a loved one via suicide, um, which is called Luna's Red Hat, which is a really great book. It's about um, yeah, daughter and father talking about um, the missing mother and uh, sort of uh, the the kid going through this gamut of emotions um how she's feeling having having lost the mother and they, they talk about you know how it's affected them and uh what the mom was going through and it's uh that's a really that's a really nice one as well um that's such an important one too because so i mean that's something that affects so many families and
0: children and one of my best friends lost their father uh suicide when they were young and it's you know and it's something that i feel like again suicide is so taboo we don't want to talk about it you know um, but for the, especially for kids, I mean, adults, obviously too, going through it. I think that there's, um, especially for kids though, I feel like there's a lack of resources. So that's awesome.
1: Yeah. That's, that's a really good one. I can, um, I can like type these out and give you a list. You can put them in the show notes or something if you want.
0: If you, yeah, if you want to send them to me, that would be great. Cause then I can make sure I get the spelling right and all that stuff. You could just email me. Obviously, well, my I'm going to plug your book for my recommendation, which is The, the Princess and the Fog by my friend Lloyd Jones. Thank you. Which I like I said I absolutely like, we we do the other episodes, we call them Way to Go and Room to Grow. So we talk about what we like about a book and then what we sort of feel like. A, and I literally could not find a room to grow for your book. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Stop it. Um, but uh, I, I highly recommend it. It's really great. And didn't you – did you also – say that you were working on something else?
1: Yes. um, They've asked me to do another one about anxiety this time. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's in the same universe, same art style and everything, returning characters. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but it's about a, a trainee knight who's got anxiety and it has nothing whatsoever to do with the book but the night is also non-binary because representation is important
0: yay i, I love hell that i so that. Um, that is <laughs> I'm awesome. crying i'm so happy <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah
1: that was that was a really fun one it's not coming out till january so it seems a bit silly talking about it now but no uh, that's, that's amazing coming out and there's hopefully going to be within talks of doing it as a sort of turning it into a whole series as well so there could be more on the horizon that I don't know anything about yet.
2: That is so cool.
1: Yeah, it's going to be called the Nervous Night. It'll be the first book. I'm, I'm, I'm actually changing my my pen name. Is going to be Anthony Lloyd Jones going forwards. So it, this is going to be the first.
0: <laughs> so people can find you.
1: Yes, I don't know if you've tried to Google Lloyd Jones, but there's it is. another
0: Lloyd Jones author, and even and and he's credited as writing your book on Google. <laughs> I think I told you this. Yes,
1: it's bad. Yes, I've requested to have that changed. So going forward, I'm going to have better SEO hopefully uh, starting with this book. It's
0: <laughs> <laughs> <That's> so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the
1: worst, but um
0: yeah that's amazing I'm so excited I need another book another good book about anxiety like I was telling you I was all the ones I was finding I was like this is not about anxiety and oh the other the other recommendation that I have uh, besides the princess in the fog is uh, there's a book called Virginia Wolf um, by Keo McClear. it's one F Uh, it's about a a little wolf but it is about it's based on Virginia Wolf and um, her it's like her and her sister and yeah it was one that we featured in another gosh I I don't know if it was on Chronicles. Maybe it was on chronic illness. Um, it was another another one of the themes that we did. One of my co-hosts that brought it up and raved about it, and I trust her judgment.
1: Have you all played uh, Depression Quest? It's kind of old now. No, no. It was um, so it's like a it's like an old school text adventure kind of thing. Well, not exactly. It's more like you're it's sort of well. It's just yeah. There's no there's no visuals or anything, but um, it just describes really mundane. You're just this this guy in an apartment and you just live a normal life but you have depression and so like you've got to do these really sort of menial tasks but um your mental health is like being monitored in the in the way that you accomplish things and like certain options will be blocked after you they'll become impossible tasks depending on how you're doing and it's like this really interesting kind of yeah it was like a personal project made by um by zoe quinn but it's it's a really it's a really interesting game as well and like i i my experience with it, i tried to play it kind of honestly but it's like unless you deliberately try to tank it you'll end up with like quite a hopeful ending that things can improve and it's sort of it's interesting the way it challenges you by giving you these, these things that like a quote-unquote normal person wouldn't find challenging it'll be stuff like you don't feel like going to work today because you can't get out of bed what do you what do you do do you call in sick or do you you know whatever and I don't know. It's 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 a really clever and creative way to have a conversation about about depression.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for that one. That sounds awesome. If you want to be found on social media, <laughs> where can people
1: find you? So I'm Art by Lloyd on Twitter. I'm Lloyd Jones Illustration. Everywhere else, so Instagram. Uh, well, I don't use Tumblr anymore. I, I'm Lloyd Jones Illustration on Instagram. LloydJonesIllustration.com yeah that's me
2: i'm not on like super a lot of platforms anymore actively uh since tumblr died but um on twitter i am today is underscore tuesday on facebook i'm just tuesday tanner on instagram i'm pretty sure my name is golden malorn which is g-o-l-d-e-n-m-a-l-l-o-r-n and uh those are the names I use pretty much anywhere. so if you look if you want to find me anywhere else, try looking up those names and, and if you don't find me, if you don't find me, then I'm not there.
0: Not there. <laughs> well, thank you all so much. Uh, I really appreciate you being here. and remember, stay rad.
1: Dragons. Canada. The Multiverse Theory. Corgis. Queer representation. Reconciliation.
2: Angels. Demons. Splend. Squirrels. Moose. Moose and
1: Squirrels. Sorcerers. Dinosaurs. Barbarians. Forests. Giants. Rogues. Warlocks. Plains. Sewers. Lavender natural toonie a
2: canadian dungeons and dragons podcast right here on the upford network i'm teffer i'm caddy and i'm hannah and we are the yeah podcast Join us as we dig into young adult literature, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what YA Lit can teach us, at any age. Discover the world of YA Lit through exclusive
0: author interviews, book reviews, genre, smackdowns, and more. The Yeah! Podcast, available through the Upford Network on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! Yeah!